Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 669 with Shyla Morris and Kay Salerno. Right. Well, money is a resource, right? So if your only way of being resourceful is using money, that's a pretty narrow way to see things. So if you consider all those other things as your resources, you have access to so much more. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Were you aware that 89% of guests will research a restaurant online before dining out? This is why it is so important for you to be mindful of what your online presence is. Visit getbento.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your Bento Box website today. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships online. One more time, that is getbento.com slash unstoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365, a value of $5,000. You got to check out Wisetail, a premier learning management system. Wisetail is a forward-thinking training and communication platform built to engage today's workforce. Wisetail is trusted because it grew up alongside some of the most recognized restaurants in the industry, this has helped them shape their products and its functionality through real-world feedback and rigorous testing. WiseTail can help you scale your training initiatives across all locations while empowering your employees to take control of their learning and their professional growth. To learn more, head over to www.wisetail.com slash unstoppable or find the banner in the show notes. And if you use my links, you'll get three months free after signing up for a year contract. Again, that's wisetail.com slash unstoppable. All right. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Shyla Morris and Kay Salerno. Shyla, Kay, are you two feeling unstoppable today? You know it! <laughs> oh man, this is going to be a good one. Uh, in 2004, uh, the Young family bet it all to purchase the Squeeze-In restaurant in Truckee, California. Business advisors told the family to run away from the deal, but they had a passion and a whole lot of grit and have now grown the company to eight figures with 12 locations in four states. Way to go. Awesome job. Uh, with parents now retired, daughters Shyla and Kay run the company and continue to build the brand with aspirations for more growth. Both Misty and um, your mom, or Shyla, uh, I'm having a brain fart right now. Your mom's uh, mom, Misty. Misty, yeah. thank you. Misty <laughs> was one of my earliest guests, uh, episode 50, or sorry, 81. So if you want to so listen cool. to the, the origin story of Squeezin, go check out um, Misty. She was an incredible guest. And then you were on episode 303, mm-hmm. um, another great episode. 
I will be sure to, to link to those episodes in the show notes. Uh, and they're obviously great episodes because I'm here again and we, we're joined with a, a new member of the, you guys go by the Young family? or well, that's our main, that's our main name. Uh, so, I mean, incredible family, tons of knowledge. And today we're here to talk about reconnecting uh, or w- what has been like, I'm sorry, to, to go from a private single one location to multiple locations. Now you're, you're scaling to franchising and, and what that challenge has been like. So I have really no idea exactly what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're just going to dive in and talk about your challenges, what it's been like and how you're overcoming those challenges, becoming a franchise. Uh, but before we dive into the story, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Now, our dear friend and mentor, John Maxwell, ha- got to sit down with a famous radio interviewer once, and we were lucky enough to be around uh, the, the inner circle at the time. And the radio interviewer asked him, John Maxwell, you have been doing this for 50 plus years. If you can boil it down to the simplest piece of advice that you can give, what is the number one thing you've learned about being a successful person? And John, without hesitation, said two words, consistency compounds. And I mean, dude's written like 126 books, like travels the world, preaches, teaches. He's 73 years old. And for him, he says, really, the secret sauce is those two words. And that's consistency. Yes, consistency compounds. And I can't help but think of Seth Godin in The Dip. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. But Mm -hmm. in that book, the, the argument is basically just keep showing up. And most of the time, people quit just before it like that hockey stick curve kicks yep. in, right? And things really start to uh, move forward in their lives. So just, you know, consistency keeps showing up. It gets better and better yeah. every day. Uh, we we're talking about that before we even got started. We we're talking mm-hmm. about the podcast and numbers and uh, you guys have your own podcast, which I'm sure we'll give a little yeah. more information about that at the end, uh, 50 episodes and me with like 600 episodes and, Woo-hoo! and like, you know, we were comparing numbers. I was, I was exactly there when I was mm-hmm. at 50 episodes too. So just cool. keep showing up. Right. Yeah. Um, here we are today traveling the country, like full time on the podcast. A uh, great way to get this thing started. Uh, I cannot wait to dive into today's conversation. So the last time I talked to the young family or the squeeze in folks uh, was in, um, I think it was almost three, two years ago, episode 300. Yeah. yeah tra- and, 2016 or 2017. Yeah. yeah. And, and at that time you were, it was, I was speaking to you, Shiloh, mm-hmm. and you were, um, in the process of we are going to franchise, mm-hmm. but you weren't quite established as a franchise yet, right? Mm-hmm. You want maybe set us up to what, what what it was looking like when you two maybe 2015 to 17 as you started taking over the business. We'll take kind of give a brief summary of what that was like, and then talk about what's changed since then. Sure. So for the your past listeners, you know they've kind of heard this evolution of the squeeze in. Uh, bought the one failing restaurant in 2003. Didn't even take credit cards. Didn't have a soda machine. <laughs> didn't have a phone. It was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. Uh, the waitresses there said we don't post a schedule because everyone knows when to show up. Uh. So really. <laughs> starting with like no systems at all um, spent those first kind of five years of business figuring it out uh, and then decided mom and dad said we want to open another location in the, our hometown of Reno Nevada but we don't have the energy of the bandwidth so they brought us on and my husband on as partners to kind of grow the brand from there so got to four locations it's about 2013 we feel kind of stuck we want to grow bigger but we're out of money and we're out of family <laughs> and we're looking at options of how to grow uh, and franchising came about. So, you know, when you think franchising, you think uh, it's just, it's Subway, it's McDonald's, it's sellout. And so it wasn't really something that we considered 
as a viable option until we said, let's take out our own emotional attachments to what franchising means and look at the business model and then really found some cool case studies and histories and numbers and well, statistics. Well, it didn't help that they got approached by a franchise guy <laughs> who was like the oversized <laughs> like coat, Mr. Slick. slick back yeah. hair, like oh. franchising's for you. Yeah, he's like, usually I charge $100,000 for a consultation meeting. And we're like, okay, well. <laughs> uh, but we, we found another another company to work with and started moving down the path in 2013. And like anyone who jumps into franchising, especially once you get to four locations with a restaurant, you know, you start to think like, I'm a good operator. Like, I got this restaurant thing down. Everyone tells you you should franchise. Everyone tells you you should grow. So you jump into this new business model, but it's a completely brand new business. So you might have four locations of a restaurant doing great, and you're maybe a teenager in terms of businesshood, but now you have a brand new baby, the franchise company. So we've learned a lot through that growth along the way. Um, a lot of growing pains, some terrible twos, some thrashing threes, some effing fours, as we like to say, uh, and and now feel like we're kind of in kindergarten with the franchise company, and we have uh, six franchised locations and six family locations, so we're feeling pretty good uh, and still have a lot to grow. Yeah, and I'm pretty open and honest about my, like, when I first got started with the podcast, I only wanted to make an example of independent operators, mm-hmm. because I felt like we needed more independent operators in the world, um, and that was my belief, uh, getting into starting the podcast, but I've learned a lot uh, interviewing hundreds of successful restaurateurs. And I do believe there can be good fran- franchises. Uh, and I'm here to find out like where the lines are, right? Mm. Like, w- At what point do you just become another box store and have no soul? And you're all about the bottom line. And I mean, that's what I'm kind of hoping today. Like, I still probably lean more towards the smaller independent uh, corporations, but I'm open-minded. And yeah. I know that there's a ton we can learn. And I, I do see myself, as I stay open-minded, fully kind of being probably more neutral yeah. over time. So hopefully you guys can pull me over to the other side, I'd say, <laughs> by the end of today's conversation. Um, so what are the biggest challenges been since being full on board with franchising? First, you, you kind of pointed to something out that was really cool, Kay, like this kind of greasy dude approach your family. Uh, What was wrong about that situation? Yeah, well, I think that you actually just said something that I'd like to challenge a little bit. Yeah, please do. And that's why we're here. Where you said, I speak to a lot of independent restaurant owners and I think that that's what I I wanted to start out with because I I think the world needs more independent restaurant owners. While franchisors like us, you know, yes, we've got independent restaurants of our own. What we do is empower independent restaurant owners to not have to figure it all out themselves. So it's so the independent restaurant owner is the franchise owner. So the the so if you go down to Modesto, California, there's Kathy Monday working her shop, and and it's our recipes, but it's her shop. Yeah, and I say all the time, go work for a franchise or a corporation if you want to open a restaurant. You don't have a lot of experience because they're going to give you the systems, processes, and procedures you need. That structure that you might not get if you go to work for a mom and pop down the street. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for a crash course in operations, don't go work for independent. Uh, go to work for an established franchise because they're gonna, it's going to be sewn up tight, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not completely one sided. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you think you know, there's those few different models. So you can go kind of the Darden restaurants that the 
the chain model. That's Olive Garden, right? Or you think about like a Chili's. Those are all going to be corporate stores that are owned. And then the franchise model is independent owners in each of their communities. So the McDonald's in your town is owned by someone who lives in your town. They are the 100% owner. They finance the thing. They are responsible for the hiring and firing. Uh, But that's a huge franchise, right? But there's smaller ones that are like boutique franchises, much like what we are, where you do want to focus on that values and that culture. And we do not want to lose that kind of connection with community and and focus on the people line as well as the bottom line. We've had people come in before in our sales process and say, you know, well, this isn't how Denny's do it, does it? And we're like, well, then go buy a Denny's. Like, this is not, <laughs> not what, what we're here up to for. do. Exactly. This is about community impact and making a difference and leaving a legacy. And if you, and if you don't want to be a part of that, if all you're here to do is make money, this is not the yeah. business for you. And I, I do think that a franchise can have soul and it is easy or it's, it is, what's the word I'm looking for? Possible. It's possible. It is absolutely possible. possible. And that's kind of what I'm hoping we discover today is how yeah. do you retain your soul while injecting tons of structure and order in systems and processes and protocols, but not losing your soul and not, not at the expense of your soul. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe that's what we figure out today. So, so what have you learned about franchising? Take us through, maybe just take us through your journey what, what you've had to learn, what you didn't know getting started, and what you know now about what it takes to be a successful franchise. Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, the answer, like so many industries, is it's about the people. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so if you're running one restaurant, then you're you're serving food, but you're really in the people business. If you're running a franchise like uh, as a franchisor, like we are, it's still about the people. It's about the people that you let on the bus with you. So we've had several, as Kay said, people come through our funnel who say, well, this isn't how Denny's does it. Or while well, they, you know, at Chick-fil-A, you're going to get a team of 12 trainers that's with you for 12 weeks. Like we're not Chick-fil-A. So are there people that are part of your uh, franchise that maybe or maybe were interested in being a part? of your franchise that had come from other franchise models yeah. Okay. yeah, we actually mm-hmm. have one right now. Our mm-hmm. uh, our location that's about to open up uh, in Boise is owned by a gentleman who has worked for several other franchise companies before, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dutch Brothers, and yeah, and and you find that they kind of have a little bit more awareness of how that system works and yeah. what the expectations are. Um, but but it really is about the people that you let on the bus. So not necessarily the pr- people who have the money, which is one of those bigger uh, thresholds that you know will will shoot people down. But it is about are they in alignment with your values and what is it that they want to do? Are they there to build their community? Are they there to leave a legacy for their kids? We seem to be attracting franchisees who are very similar to our story. Parents who want to kind of get it started and fund it and then train up their kids to take it over because, you know, let's face it, the college degree isn't doing that much right now. But funding your 26-year-old son to go open a coffee shop that he has no experience in is a really big and scary investment and not a wise move. Putting them into a model like franchising where you can say, I'll fund it and you have to to be accountable to a system, I think is making our, our aging baby boomers happy and, you know, our up and coming zillennials and millennials happy as well because they want that opportunity to grow and to thrive and to do something for their community where they're the entrepreneur within kind of that safer space. Yeah. Let's, let's pull back some of the layers of what systems you've built to, to make sure the people that you're bringing onto your your franchise um, or letting a franchise or what's the correct term? If Franchisee. Somebody, thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Franchisee. Um, what filter do they have to go through to to qualify 
after having the capital, mm. uh, what, what other filters have you put in place? So we have to get them out here to yeah. come and be in person with us. We're not obviously not going to do a business with someone we've never met uh, to come through. And, and we have to know that it's a personality match and know that it's a values match. We don't have to agree on everything because that's not the point of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have to know that at the heart of it, they're going to do the right thing for their guests. Um, and I wish I could say that it's some big fancy form process, but it's really about getting to know one another, building a relationship before you close the deal and saying, because it, it really is like this, are we really ready to get in bed with this person for probably the next 10 years of their and our life. What does getting to know somebody look like? I mean, I think it's spending time together. It's asking questions. It's listening. It's that, it's all that woo woo stuff that's hard to put a measure on, right? Like energetically, do you match? Can you make eye contact? Do you feel good about what they're saying? Do they like the similar, you know, things that you do and not necessarily agreeing on politics or any of those kinds of things. But like when I say make impact on your community, are you nodding your head and saying, I want to do that? And here's the 12 things I've done in the past. And here's Mm -hmm. the groups that I'm, you know, part of. And here's what, here's my vision vision and passion, I think that's really what we're looking for is that energetic match. What about background? How far do you go into seeing if somebody has a track record that aligns with the path that you want, that that continues on the same path that they've been on? Like, like, I don't know if I asked that question well, but... Yeah, I think (laughs) the background is more about have you demonstrated your ability to be resourceful? That is the number one skill to us that makes the difference in being a successful restaurateur. And I'm sure all of your listeners would agree that being resourceful is probably that number one, you know, uh, skill that it can be the difference maker because you've got a thousand things coming at you every single day, <laughs> all kinds of challenges and opportunities uh, that require on the feet thinking, creative out of the box solution finding, and of course, managing a group of, let's face it, 17 to 20 year olds uh, nonstop can be, can definitely be a challenge. So, um, give me an example of what resourcefulness looks like. So, give me, is there a cool story of somebody? did something like a, like what kind of give me an example of what you're looking for so there was a time when we had grown too big too fast and we were coming up on a payroll that we couldn't make and literally two times actually in our, in, past, in our family's in history two years, yeah, two, or, okay. no 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 in okay. the like, within gotcha. the last five gotcha, gotcha. ten years um had to foreclose on two homes to make payroll wow. so ta- like if you don't have the resources to make it happen be resourceful. Uh, it's what led us to our our grassroots funding for our restaurants through gift card programs with our guests. I'm, I'm sure you guys have talked about mm-hmm. that here mm-hmm. on the show before. Um, but but really that resourcefulness, if you don't have the resources or like it's a lot of people say, well, I just don't know how to market my business. So, you know, not going to do it. It's like, okay, LinkedIn Learning is $25 a month and has a hundred modules that are all accredited for you to go learn all about marketing if you yeah. want to. So it's not an excuse. The only thing that holds you back is whether you are resourceful enough and creative enough to find the solutions that you need as a business owner. Mm-hmm. I've got a few examples too. You know, one that's the opposite of resourceful is we had a franchise lead in San Diego who was very excited about the concept, had several conversations with, uh, found a couple of locations he was really energized by. And then ultimately, um, our last conversation with him, he said, well, I'm pretty much a go. I love everything. I want to do it. My guy who usually funds restaurants with me, my partner, uh, he recently moved and I don't have his new phone number, but he calls me every year or so. So next time he calls me, I'll connect with him and, and that'll be that. And it's just like 
imagine being so narrow-minded that like, well, I don't have his phone number, therefore I can't open a restaurant. Like, couldn't you get creative enough or playful enough or, you know, inspired enough to figure out where the guy is and find get his phone number or explore other yeah. financing options? If you want it bad enough, you'll find a way. Sure. You know, so, you'll find, you'll you'll tap your, that frontal lobe into mm-hmm. hyperdrive and you'll figure it out. You'll but most of the time it takes extremes, like I can't make payroll to get that creative where most of the people don't realize that they might be hurting their business is that they're not getting creative over the little excuses every day. Oh, we can't in- integrate an inventory system because blank. Oh, we can't switch over POS systems to something that's a little bit better because of blank. Like yeah. it's just- and the big, the big words is, or the big word is can't. As soon as you tell your mind, it's not possible. I can't. Then your right. your frontal lobe literally shuts down and it goes because yeah. our we're, our our minds are meant to be lazy. It takes a lot of energy. These suckers are energy sucks. Yeah. And especially when you start getting super creative, that takes a lot of energy. So if you don't have to get creative, your mind won't. But if if you yeah. if you say it's not possible, that's the solution. It's not possible. Yep. But if you say this is possible. And how can I do it? That's when that mind starts kicking into overdrive, and like it will, it will find a way. It will figure out how to make it happen. Almost everything's possible if you have. Preach, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of language, there, Eric, I love, I love yeah. that. So, oh my gosh. so when you came, what we were talking about, what we we're going to talk about uh, before the recording, just the challenges that you've encountered uh, transitioning to a franchise operation. Just list those challenges, and then we'll dissect each one of them. Sure. First and foremost, capital. That's okay. going to be pretty much every business owner ever. Uh, the capital was definitely tough. Um, and uh, also timing and process. You know, yeah. you want it done now. Most of us are visionaries, right? You didn't get into the restaurant industry because you're soft, and you and you like growth. Uh, so, so you think, okay, cool. Take six months to form my franchise. In eight months, I'll be selling. I'll have all these open in the next few years. I, I know we started this process at the end of 2013. And thought, okay, cool. We'll have it all buttoned up by the end of 2013. We'll be selling in 2014, and you know, by 2020, we'll have 100 units open. Uh, and it just—it simply takes longer. Yeah. And then there's a lot more legalese and a lot more underneath, and you don't know yeah. what you don't know. And so, capital, timing, and process. What yeah. else? I would say, uh, especially for a brand like ours, you go from being a bit of a larger fish in a small pond as a local, larger community restaurant chain to being a minnow in an ocean of franchising. Mm -hmm. Um, So translating a brand from being the big dog in town to now having to prove to people why we're great is, has been a bit of a different uh, marketing challenge. And us. there's a lot of processes um, and systems that you have to outline and get ready for franchising. And those are all the ones that we would think of, right? Like, what's your hiring process? And what's the inventory process? And what's your ordering process? Those are all systems that as restaurant operators we're used to. But as franchisors, the, the system of how to open a location, even if you've grown from one to five like we had before we started franchising, that means we'd only done four openings, right? Because we bought the first location and then opened it for more. So now you have to have a whole system and process for opening, but every county looks different. Every city looks every different. County every looks permitting different. process looks different. And then the marketing plan has to be tailored to those communities. So those were systems and processes that we were very green on that didn't re- we didn't really realize we're going to need as much development as they did. Okay, I'm going to try to paraphrase the list up to this point. Cool. Um, capital, timing, and process, convincing people you're still fresh, right? Mm. Uh, and then... T- uh, fine-tuning the processes uh, for 
the each individual location for opening yeah really what that opening process looks like because each day you're an operator you're good at being an operator but that opening process once for each location right and then it's open and then you have to do all the challenges of operating you kind of forget how yeah we're gonna unpackage all of these uh is there anything else we need to add to this list before taking our first break to thank our sponsors um i think let's thank those sponsors all right we're gonna thank our sponsors we'll be right back Bento Box is more, much, much more than just another restaurant website developer. It is a hospitality platform designed to disrupt third-party services that come between the restaurant and the guest. Bento Box puts the restaurant first and offers tools that drive high-margin revenue directly through the restaurant website. These tools allow you to easily update menus, promote and sell events, share your press and media attention with the world, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and much, much more. In other words, Bento Box puts you in control so that you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bento Box is trusted and loved by over 5,000 restaurants worldwide because they empower restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships online. Sign up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable. One more time, that is getbento.com slash unstoppable. All right, we're back. We're going to start unpackaging some of these challenges that you've been encountering scale or transitioning from uh, independent to franchise. The first one you listed was capital. How has capital been a challenge? Um, yes. <laughs> when is capital not a challenge? Like specifically, in what way? Just getting it? Sure. Um, well, you know, in order to build your franchise company or to kind of launch it, obviously that's going to take capital. We found a very cost-effective partner. We used um, a partner called Franchise Marketing Systems, and it was about $20,000 to get all of our stuff I think done. they're Big Sky, aren't they? The, now they're yeah, Big, Big Sky. Big Sky Franchising. Okay. Um, but what is... What is what is that exactly? Big Sky Franchising. So it's the, what they do is help you develop the uh, your UFDD. That's like your big legal document forming your entity. And then what are all the things that need to go into that legal like document? A coach, basically. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, exactly. A consultant on how to fill it all out because gotcha. you've got to fill in what's it going to take? What's the financial costs? And what are the processes? And what is your training going to look like? And how does each hour of the training break down for when franchisees visit? And what does the discovery day look like? So they walked us through that process. So there was that initial investment um, and then well now you've got it all built like now you've got to start marketing it so there's that part of it and Do then sharing exactly like what somebody can expect to pay to get that kind of service Yes, about twenty thousand okay. dollars at least from them. Now, Mister Slick told us it was going to be one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So shop around. Yeah. If someone is telling you it's going to be one hundred and fifty G's, yeah. um, and certainly just like the resourceful question, if you yeah. have zero dollars but you know you want to franchise your concept, you can learn it all for free yep. right now yep. on YouTube on the internet. There's this really amazing website. Write it down: G O O G L E. Google. You can find. I, it. I know. Yeah, it's like, so good. Eric's like well listening. Done. Well done. Yeah, I mean, right, is that we have access to every kind of everything yeah. now. So you could do it all for on your own right now and follow some free online system and do it. Most of us don't have the follow through to do that. So you want to bring on a consultant. Ours was about $20,000. Okay. So the putting the 20000 aside for the expert opinions, expert help, what mm-hmm. else were, were you looking at as far as getting that over that initial hurdle? Mm-hmm. Well, even the initial hurdle doesn't really end once you get your first couple of locations on board because your locations are going to bring in maybe a couple hundred bucks a week, maybe, uh, you know, up to 800 to $500 per week, um, which is decent. But like 
$24,000 a year, if we're going to look at one, just a single location, you get one open, that's not even enough to pay a full-time person to help grow the franchise concept. So you've got to be ready to like pay the franchise company out of your restaurant company for probably the first three to five years Mm -hmm. before you start seeing returns even start to come back from that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the the capital investment money-wise is, of course, huge, but the time capital is what yeah. right so now you're taking your attention off of your operations and what you're used to and what you're doing so and it putting better it on the be new ready baby. for the franchise because it needs to act like a franchise while you're not there right make it a legitimate and franchise. now it's your unattended child and what yeah. they do as moms we can tell you they start to get naughty yeah right <laughs> like when the, when the cat's away the mice play and so the, so balancing those two and making that time capital investment um, was something I think it was bigger than we realized of course we're glad we did it um, uh, but it was a huge time investment um, and took uh, attention away from, you know, the What, the what other time investments or just cap, uh, straight up capital do we need to consider uh, before taking the sleep? What, what are we yeah. missing so far? Well, I know the one that came to the top of my head and it seemed like you had one too, Kay, <laughs> is uh, the, you got to be ready to put your brand out there uh, and take the hits. You know, certainly your local community is going to raise an eyebrow about now you're franchising and you're changing the brand we well, love. We it's your you. sellout. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. It used to be an institution and the mom and pop here and now you're the sellout. Yeah. So it's it's definitely changed. Now we've sold a few franchises. We're expanding to other states. The tide shifts. Right now our local community is proud that were that were the birthplace yeah, of squeeze in the but th- but that was a lot to put ourselves out there and and folks like you and folks like our local Reno news our uh, RGJ food and drink editor uh, doesn't like to interview franchisees and and there's this whole other now you're a franchise that's completely different than being kind of that independent flying the flag and carrying the torch of the I'm one of those assholes I apologize it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. It's only, we were one of those assholes too yeah. <laughs> um so that's good to know anything else that's worth covering uh, regarding a capital that people need to be aware of that are maybe it's not so obvious before you move over to the next bullet that you listed. I think that oh, sorry, uh, it, all good. One of the things from a capital perspective, not necessarily if you're starting a franchise, but something to just keep in mind is, you know, this as an independent restaurant owner, it takes probably 300 to $500,000 to open another location of that restaurant. Most people think if I'm going to buy a franchise, okay, I'm buying a franchise. I'm going to pay this franchise fee for us. It's 40,000. So yeah, it's, $40,000 to open a franchise. One of the biggest hurdles I think for us has been communicating properly to our leads and to our franchisees that this is a humongous investment. Yeah, that's the first investment, yes. the initial investment. And when they yeah. come, and when they come, you know, to us harebrain pulling their hair out and it's 2 weeks to opening and I've spent half a million dollars. We're like that's we told you that yes. this is what it was going to be and yeah. and it might be more and you might not make money for 2 years. So and- the $40,000 <laughs> is just a license to say that I've bought the right to use your brand into that year, I'm going to get the recipes. The, I'm going to get training. the secret stuff. I'm going to get the training You're and the come access. Here for my opening. Yeah. So where's the other? Uh, Four hundred and sixty thousand dollars. What? Your build out. It's your permits. It's your hiring. It's your first stock. It's your mm-hmm. liquor license. It's all the things. You still. You are opening a restaurant. You are one hundred percent the owner. Exactly. Cool. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, anything else that's worth talking about regarding capital that was you had to figure out the hard way. Um, you know, energy capital is one of them too. It's just that time, yeah. attention, energy capital. Uh, I, I love what you're doing right now because people think of when they think of capital assets. The first thing they think of is money. Mm-hmm. 
but there's so many different types of assets mm-hmm. yeah. time like you said your energy your network all these your reputation is an yeah. asset all these things uh you have to think about are assets that you can leverage right when trying to make things happen for right well money is a resource yeah, right yeah. so if your only way of being resourceful is using money mm-hmm. that's a pretty narrow way to see yeah. things so if, if you consider all those other things as your resources you have access to so much more mm-hmm. that you can do with also we google stuff all the time yeah. <laughs> like literally like i think the other day it was like a how to deliver a gender diversity training to primary Latin American <laughs> workforce. Yeah. Is there a search for that? Yes. And there's like a YouTube video for them to watch. That's the step in by Spanish. Step process. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so great. Uh, so the next thing on our list is timing and process. What did you mean by that timing and process? What, what was the blind side there? It just took so much longer than we thought it was going to. And even with trying to sprint through all of the expectations, okay, here's the 13 things you have to deliver, right? We would get it done and be like, woo, we did it. And then it would come back and like, here's the like 25 revisions you need to make. And like, oh, well, what is our inventory process? And you start unpacking that, which then opens up, well, now we need to, well, what does that ordering process look like? Well, wait, Chef Jose's been doing that for 12 months. Well, wait, but doesn't that mean that then the sparks look? So now you like each thing had like 14 things under it that would identify. And so then you're questioning your worth. Should we really be doing this? I can't even handle four restaurants and I thought I was doing so good. But as I go through this process, I'm seeing all these holes in my own business. Um, so, so definitely, I think it was just, it was deeper than we initially thought. Well, it's about creating a job description for your job and then training somebody else how to do your job as an owner. We mm-hmm. got really good at training mm-hmm. managers how to run stores, but not training owners how to train managers how to run a store. Right. Yeah. So you just constantly kind of, like, when, when you're first opening the restaurant, like you might not have any systems or processes, maybe loose systems and processes because you know they're going to change as you go and then you fine-tune them over time but you forget about that last role that is you're blind to because it's you Mm -hmm. right and then like going through that whole process again of creating process and systems and checklists for the owner uh, which is something that i'm sure a lot of people has never taken into consideration Mm -hmm. um Timing and process. What else held you guys up? Yeah, if uh, I mean other things too. Like once we got through, okay, now we're we are a franchise company. And we're opening our first few franchises. There were just so many things that were like the eighty thousand things that have to happen for a restaurant to open. We got seventy nine thousand eight hundred and seventy five of them down, but that still means twenty five balls mm-hmm. got dropped, right? Yeah. So it's like the day of opening, and like, oh, how do we take gift cards? And we're all like, oh. <laughs> Just order them, <laughs> and it takes six weeks, and I guess we'll be printing paper certificates <laughs> paper for a while for now, right? Or like, of course you need a microwave. And you think <laughs> yeah. that the gift card lesson would have been learned by opening number four, but then there we were five days before opening number four, like, and what do we do about gift cards? Oh, yeah, we need oh, gift cards. So, that. yeah. Yes. <laughs> and of course, you have a franchise owner saying, I just spent a half million dollars, and what do you mean you forgot gift cards, uh, right, yeah. on the checklist? Yeah. So, navigating those things. But no matter how hard we try, we are never going to see there's always going to be something that slips through the cracks right and all we can do is try to, to close those gaps as much as possible so don't beat yourself up when you miss like the littlest things right um so just there's always going to be something that you you, you overlook so just being to, to work that into the schedule to, to assume well based off of what i know it's going to take this long but i know that i don't know everything mm-hmm. so maybe let's throw another two months or five months or whatever you think right. to for that wiggle room Mm-hmm. Is, is that, that's kind of like the lesson I'm learning. For I, I, I wouldn't. I don't know about that for opening a store. Okay, okay. Because if you're opening a restaurant, you don't have two months, five months of wiggle room. I, yeah. I've signed a lease. 
And it comes up in March. And I pay rent whether there's a restaurant in there or not in mm-hmm. March. And so uh, on that level, the cushion, um, but but maybe a little bit more time and evaluation prior to opening the first, maybe a, a couple more interviews and things with uh, people who had done it before yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to figure out what were those fall on your face moments. You know, one, one piece in the process um, that I think you know, we've learned is to understand when to fight for the things that it's okay to fight for. Like if the franchisee says I want to buy this other grill and it's used and it's half the price because it's used and then you say but in a year you're going to have to replace it you might as well just buy the $800 one and they and then you allow them to buy the $400 one anyway in one year from now they still have to replace the $400 grill that has now broken because and that's actually a true story literally did happen to us a year later they had to replace the grill which if they had just purchased new in the first place or we had required them to purchase new in the first place it it wouldn't have been an issue down the road so sometimes Sometimes you have to stick to your so, Some things I'm, I'm, I'm literally just uncertain of or just don't understand is this kind of like dynamic where who's who's on the hook for that? You as the franchisor or they, them as a the franchisee if there's a replaced piece of equipment? They're on the hook for that. So okay. they own everything that's under that roof. They own the business license. They're 100% the owners. They pay a royalty in order to use your recipes and things. So you are, as the franchisor, you are the support system for them and where they can come and ask questions and need guidance and get approvals. But they foot the bill. They're, it's their EIN. I mean, it's really they are the owners. Got you. Anything else that's worth bringing to the service regarding the timing and process that need to be considered that kind of held you up? when getting started? I think uh, as you open franchises and as any new franchisor will tell you, kind of your first few, you're going to take who you can get, right? Because like, I got to sell, I got to get out there. But managing that expectation of, I think franchisees come down the pipe and don't know who's responsible for what. uh, And and they want you to be able to answer every question. And so being confident and being able to answer those questions or saying, I don't know, but I can figure it out or help you find a resource for it. Um, And and then setting that expectation. You are the owner. You are responsible. You will follow these systems. So the culture, so you're creating a culture. I think that's where a lot of franchises go wrong is they create a culture for the the restaurants and the employees, but they forget to create the, the culture and the way you're supposed to act as an owner. Right. Right. Is that safe to say? Absolutely. Well, yeah. you, I, I mean, if we're going to talk about franchises that all of us probably agree are doing it right, right? Like Chick-fil-A is doing really well. Dutch Brothers is an awesome franchise. There's another smaller one here on the West Coast um, called Beach Hut Deli that we really respect. Uh, they've got about 38 locations. So, you know, you look at those who are, who are building the culture and intentionality around the owners and you're seeing that success. Got you. Is it safe to move on to the, the next Let's bullet convincing yeah. people uh, that you're still, uh, well, I don't know exactly. I don't, I'll let you use the words cause I don't, I don't yeah. know exactly what you're trying to communicate there. So yeah. what do you mean by that? I, I, what we mean by that is, you know, your community, anytime you do anything, somebody's not going to like it. The bigger you get, the more criticism you're going to get. And going from something like I'm the big restaurant owner in my community to the tiny franchisor on the national stage means that everyone in your community now says, oh, you think you're such a hot shot. Not everyone, but people in your community will think that. They'll say that. They'll comment on blogs about it. They'll call into the radio station about it. So having that knowledge and awareness ahead of time just helps you steal yourself for uh, knowing that that's going to come up and understanding if this is the decision you're making, that's part of it. You also have a big home field advantage when you're opening Mm -hmm. second and third locations that are within your region because you already have people who know, like, and trust you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So when you're getting out there, it's a different brand message. I'm not saying you know, to somebody who already knows me, hey, come into squeeze in. I'm saying to somebody, hey, come buy a squeeze in. And they're saying, well, what squeeze in? 
And so it's a different conversation. It's a different way of having to market because there's not that underlying knowing of what what it is that the squeeze-in is. And then, of course, any franchise or brand is going to have that battle and kind of figuring out what the new messaging looks like. But Shyla mentioned it at the beginning of this podcast. Like, you start a franchise company, it's not your restaurant anymore. It's the franchise company's concept. And now the franchise is its own company and you have your own corporate store business restaurant thing that you have to run, which means it needs a different marketing message. It needs a different operation structure. It needs a different accounting structure than your multi-unit or single unit location is going to need. It's a completely separate business. Mm, interesting. Uh, so are you out there actively uh, trying to convince people rec- or AKA recruit people to, to join your franchise? What does that look like? We put a pause on actively recruiting and marketing in 2019 in order to evaluate the openings we've done so far. Smart. Uh, and, right. And, and pull out the lessons from those and the challenges so that we could build better systems uh, and processes around that for additional well, openings. I feel like in that way, if you're putting all of your energy into what you've got, the restaurants themselves will be the recruiting technique when they start generating tons of money right. and other people are like well let me get in well and they absolutely are yeah. right we, we sold two this year yeah. uh, without doing any marketing exactly. and just because people had seen it and they're coming into the restaurants and the same mm-hmm. reason why you were able to go from an independent single location to four locations to five locations is because you put the energy into the restaurant i think mm-hmm. a lot of people get burnt when they think that growth comes from putting energy out into right. new relationships and they're going out but if you take that energy and put it in to making mm-hmm. what you got even better and the people you got even better, that natural lateral growth comes over time. Well, whether you're selling personal coaching or you're selling tires or you're selling omelets, right? It is about that people game and it's about being a product of the product, right? So if someone comes to your restaurant and it's amazing and the staff is happy and the owner is smiling and, and they're busy, then that's a product of the product. And, they, and then you're pulling people towards you. They're saying, who owns this place? Do they franchise? I want to know more rather than putting the energy out, like you're saying, and pushing people towards this concept, this concept, this concept. Yeah. It's really more about that pull and that inner energy. Yeah. And it, it kind of reminds me of what we're talking like uh, the, the saying, and I'm going to paraphrase, but it's like, I, I can't hear what you're saying because what you're doing is so loud. Right. Right. You can try to sell and convince to your blue in the face, but if you're doing the work in the work, like I'm just regurgitating what I said before, it will speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Right. And that will sell for you. The work yep. itself will sell for you. I do have to say a little bit of a yes and here before I allow our, our conversational relationship builders to pull too far <laughs> off of the marketing path because it matters what your brand looks like when somebody says, well, the owner's smiling and it's so happy and great and the operations are so cool and this omelet was so good. I'm going to go Google them. Does the Facebook page actually look like an operational restaurant? Does the Instagram page look like a restaurant that knows what they're doing? Does the franchise website have a form on it? for people to come into your funnel? Does it accurately describe what it is that someone can get out of that? And so there's there are all these different parts to the lead funnel. They get right. enchanted by what it is that you do. But if you're not intentional about your marketing, about that external piece, and have a good harmony between I'm pouring things into my business yeah. and I'm making community connections and being on the external and being social, if you don't have both those things, I've known operators who pour everything into the business, everything into the single location, and for 20 years, they say, I can't wait to open a second location. I can't wait to open a second location. Mm -hmm. And in 25 years from now, they'll still be saying, (laughs) I can't wait to open that second location because it it can't be about one or the other. It has to be about both. You're right. You're absolutely right. Thank you for going there. 
can we unpackage anything else on this bullet of just convincing people to, to join the uh, franchise or is it safe to move to the next bullet? Let's move on. All right. Um, the last thing we covered is the fine tuning of processes for franchisers uh, in the opening of each location. And that's one thing that you struggle with. So mm-hmm. what have you learned about fine tuning those, the opening processes? Opening is stressful. Oh. AF. <laughs> and it's just so nuanced for every location. <laughs> and you never, like, it's just different. And the, and all of the kitchens are designed the same. And all of the floors are designed the same. But the communities are different. They have to be decorated differently. They have to be marketed mm. differently. They have to have, like, the permitting, the health codes, the menu. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, yeah, it's just a lot. And it's, it's, it's more nuanced, I think, than we realized at first. I'm sure the, you're up to 10 locations now the uh or sorry 11 open 11 locations. open number 12 coming Eight soon. happening mm-hmm. soon right and over the next couple of years mm-hmm. um what have you done differently in the opening process how what have you learned the hard way what have we learned the hard way <laughs> well the first lesson that everyone tells you is that location matters a lot and we also learned that the hard way give me an example Ooh. um well our <laughs> las vegas franchisee has uh two locations there and happy to say that they're doing well now but it's been a th- an almost three-year journey for those locations there and that was you know, we had an owner come in and say great i love the concept i'm in i'm bought i love squeeze in uh where would be good i'm thinking vegas we said great None of us lived in Vegas. Nobody was local to Vegas. So when we're looking at those locations that those two got planted into, the demographics are beautiful. The centers are nice. The oh, landlords Luke were willing to work. <laughs> right. But you, the, having that local knowledge of like, well, how does the parking lot flow? Yeah. Right? Uh, uh, or, oh, that center has good numbers, but it's a dead center. And that's a corner back location that's going to be hard to draw people in. How does a dead center how does it have good numbers? Well, I don't has good, like traffic counts, right? Right? Okay. Like, oh, you got 75,000 cars that go by on the 215 every day in the five-mile radius. You've got 100,000 houses making 70 Gs a year. Like, all the numbers look great for that center. But the fact is it's got a lot of open spaces. It's it's hard to pull in and out of. It's on the wrong side of the 215. So Yeah, and that's right. – like, people will look, like, broadly, like, oh, it's right next to this major highway. Right. Uh, but is there an exit off that highway that lets right. you assess – the, the, is that, that that kind of stuff you're talking exactly. about? Exactly. Yeah. And does, yeah. does, does it flow in yeah. or right? Is it hard to get around? Can people get there on the weekend? So it's it's those that local knowledge, which is now one of the top things that we say. Obviously, site selection is the most important thing. Yeah. But someone who is local, who has the local knowledge of like, oh, well, yeah, that center looks great, but it's had four different restaurants and everyone in town knows not to go there. Or the landlord's an a-hole. Right. Yeah. And you just yeah. wouldn't know that yeah. if you didn't have a local presence or advisor. So take it a layer. Don't just numbers are important, sure. right? We need to we need to look at the numbers, and the numbers can tell us a lot, but they can be deceiving because the human element isn't completely put in a box, right? right? Uh, it's outside the box; it's all over the place. Yeah. So you have to consider that human element. The best way to do that mm-hmm. is to have a local presence, you yeah. know, some, someone who understands the community's behavior. Well, now we've engaged with a, a master broker on our side. So when a lead comes into us and says, I think I'm ready to go take a look at some locations around, or I have a few locations in mind, we have a master broker that understands our basic qualifications who goes out and in his network says, hey, I've got like four connections to commercial real estate agents in Texas that I have good relationships with. I'm going to go ahead and reach out to one of these and get you connected with them. But that's that boots on the ground presence from somebody who they know. So that's that's a way that we've been able to bridge the gap and hopefully see that those uh, you know future locations 
not be in spots that are less than desirable. So you've learned to really look at the, like not just the surface level, but to, to dig deep in the community where these restaurants are going to see if there's anything that you might be missing. What else? You know what else we've really learned is to overshoot how much it's going to cost. It seems like we can get, uh, we've been able to spend less money when we're opening a restaurant and by less money, you know, 50000 less. But the difference between two hundred and fifty to 300000 is a big difference and it's not a big difference, right? So when you're looking at it and you go, okay, well, I know we've been able to kind of piecemeal things together and you, you work a deal over here and you, you know, you negotiate on this. And so you can do it for 250 Gs. Well, you cannot do it for 250 Gs in Southern California and you cannot do it for 250 G's in a place where you don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, or you cannot do it for that amount if you don't realize that it's a brand new build and you're going to have to connect to the city's water and that costs 45 grand to do. And we've never encountered that before. And oops, now you have to pay this 45,000 on a location that we signed off on, but we didn't know that the water lines, you know, those kinds of nuance and yeah. things. Um, so, so now we're, we're better at, uh, you know, kind of overestimating on the budget because I would rather tell someone it's 500 G's and they spend 480 and they're like, yay, I saved 20, yeah. right? Rather than the other way around. Yeah. And they're going, ah, so if what? ever we have somebody open in Southern California again, we're going to be like a million dollars. It's going to cost a million, million dollars. Million. At least 750,000. They can be probably surprised. So is there a number that you use like a safe cushion number? Like you do the numbers, you run, like you have every item listed, every possible expensive listed. And then you take that number and say, uh, this much more is probably what it's really going to take. Yeah, I think we used to really say the range was, you know, 175 to 300 and we're really saying it's 250 to 400 now. Okay. So what is what percentage is like a 30%? About that. Yeah, yeah. 30%. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best at math, but um cool. Uh, what else can we learn from your your experiences? Anything yeah. that we haven't touched on? Yes, uh, a big one for for particularly Kay and I, which happened in the last twelve months, was realizing that we are not the squeeze in. Like we as human beings are not the brand. And when you have one location and even two locations, you probably are like you are squeeze in, or you are your restaurant in your town. But as the concepts gotten bigger for us last year, you know, we had a real mentor moment at this time in October last year, um, uh, uh, where we kind of. Said, is the brand bigger than we are? Is the is are we doing our concept a disservice by not selling it, bringing in outside help, bringing in an outside investor? Like, are we not qualified for this? I kind of had that kind of insecure moment of, is it bigger than we are? Uh, luckily, had that mentor moment, talked to some of our mentors. Um, and, and they talked us off the ledge. They talked <laughs> us off the ledge, kind of grabbed us by the collar and said, no, right? The, the, the business growth hurts. It's painful. You're supposed to fall flat on your face. You're learning the yeah. lessons. It's what you, never ending. Right? Well, we had it. We were fresh off of a tough mm-hmm. franchise opening mm-hmm. is what happened. And we were, I mean, and it was tough. Like challenges that we couldn't have even foreseen. Things that we had never been through. Like a week into her restaurant being open, one of her cooks was working at, at his house, like woodworking, and the table saw flew off of the table and took out the dude's eye. Oh my goodness. Like, and so she lost one of her staple line cooks right at the beginning after she had just had another one quit and ended up having to close it's on New Year's Day. I mean, not it was like a there's mess. a bunch of people out there to fill roles right now either. So. And, and, right. how, and yeah. how often, uh, Shyla, just want to ask you the question. Yeah. <laughs> how often have you dealt with a man having a table saw? <laughs> you know, that's a first. <laughs> but as a franchisee, you go to the person that you that can answer questions for you and so you know that was the first time we had dealt with a challenge like that and that's just one of like dozens that they were facing in that location so you know we faced our insecurities shopped our problem everyone said are you crazy keep learning keep growing you double down this is where you link arms and right you you get better um and that's what we've done but that helped us realize like oh we're not 
the brand. Like we serve the brand and we serve the mission and we serve the business just like the host does, just like the dishwasher does. And our role and our job really as president, vice president of the company is to be brand ambassadors. I think that's something that's really important that if you have aspirations to scale a business and you know from day one that you'd like to have, whether it's just like a chain or a hyper, like like you own 10 locations Mm -hmm. in like a, a region, mm-hmm. but you know you want to scale. You you have to create that entity. You do uh, of you know like behind every great restaurant's a great person. But w- can I take my values? Can I take my vision and can I inject it into this entity? Because you yourself, both of you are entities, right? right. Uh, but if you're scaling it, like you can't, I can't duplicate you. you right? Know? Maybe I don't know. They they are doing a lot with DNA um, <laughs> right, right now, but yeah. we're not quite there yet legally. Uh, so you you have to create something that that you can re- replicate, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I'm picking up from you. Yeah, I think one of the other things we noticed too is that our guests weren't responding to us as much as they were responding to the people in the stores that they were going to, where it used to be, you know, hey, come have lunch or breakfast or dinner with the owners and, you know, come out with it. Like, that's not what the, we're not the relationship that the guest is building with anymore yeah. because we can't be, you can't yeah. be six places at once. That's how many family locations we now have are uh, that are in our umbrella. Um, we just can't. And it would be impossible to do that, to build relationships with the guests. And so we've seen that it's now become about us empowering our associates and finding ways to train owners to empower their employees to be generous and to do the right thing um, so that they can continue to build those relationships. But when it comes time to like a party or or for us to bring our guests in for a fundraiser or something like that, it's no longer come hang out with the owners. It's like come hang out with the general manager from your store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Um, anything else that is under this bullet, um, the bullet we're covering now is the the, the – um, I think we kind of got, got out of the bullets at this point. Right? We did, we did. Uh, we did. But, but I'm going to take one more break to thank the sponsors. And then I have some questions that are really just for me because I'm just curious. And these are thoughts that I have. And I'm going to put you guys really in the hot seat. Cool. Um, Love it. But before we do that, is there anything else you want to get out? Let's go to the sponsors. Okay, one more break. We'll be right back. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions. No more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5K. 
Your job as a restaurant owner or manager is to paint a picture of the job done right and to empower your employees with the tools and knowledge they need to excel. This is why you need to check out Wisetail, a premier learning management system trusted by our industry's most recognized names. With Wisetail, quickly scale your training initiatives across all locations, empower your employees to take control of their own learning and professional growth, foster communication and engagement through their integrated training and communication tools and ensure long-term scalable success with the help of their best in breed client experience team. They'll take you from goal setting and implementation to ongoing strategy and best practices training to make sure you maximize your ongoing investment in your training and your programs. And if you use my links, you'll get three months free after signing up for a year contract. Again, that's wisetail.com slash unstoppable or find the banner in the show notes. We're back. And one of my core values that I've recently published is to be open-minded, which is why I want to learn more about things that I was really unwary about or just didn't really trust like franchise and big corporations. I've always kind of been anti-big, but there is good. I recognize I want to learn more about that. And I want to share some of my concerns with you. Uh, some of the things I've learned in my research, studying human behavior and human evolution, which is really when I is the, the kind of stuff that I uh, look at and, and kind of dissect when I think about franchising. So one thing you, the two of you may have heard is that the human or a human is able to manage about 150 relationships. Have you ever heard that? Mm-hmm. So my biggest concern, and I guess I should mention too, um, that I believe behind every great restaurant is a great person or people. Mm-hmm. And the restaurant is just injected with their core values, their vision for how they want to see the world better and their mission. All that just goes into the, it's, it's an extension of who they are, right? So every time you bring on a new franchiser or sorry, franchisee mm-hmm. or a partner, whatever you want to call it, anytime you're scaling any business, when you start breaching that threshold of more than 150 relationships you have to manage, um, the, the, the quality of the relationships get diluted because they're being further and further removed from the original source. Mm-hmm. And that person who is the original source is responsible for bringing every, for recreating themselves and others, right. And to lift people up to this, this level of greatness. Cause I've, I've been able to do all this with my business because of who I am, my disciplines, my values. So that's my big concern is like when you start removing yourself away from the source and that person doesn't have the ability to influence the new people come in because they're just they're so diluted mm-hmm. how do you plan on handling that you know it's a great question um and, and i think that really you're going to see that challenge whether it's a franchise or whether it's a chain or you even see that with independent restaurant restaurant tours in a single location so it isn't about keep it the same. And it isn't about, well, now it's past, It's at 151, which means the Kay and Shiloh love and energy isn't injected into it. it. That was never what we wanted to build. What we want to build is really kind of microcosms and, and cultures that are unique to that community. You want to use our recipes. You want to serve our mimosas. You want to be able to sign the wall and hang, hang stuff from the ceiling and have that look and feel and that vibe and the security of the support. But you want to be able to express yourself and give back to your community in your way. And that's what's so attractive to us about franchising is bringing in owners from that community who gets to do that inside of the safe zone of a franchise. Okay. So you, it sounds like to overcome this challenge, you should create wiggle room within your business to let your franchisees have some identity, some, some sense of, of their own soul oh, injected yeah. into that business. Mm-hmm. Is that, 
how I, is that, did I translate that correctly or yeah, did you hear that right? Okay. Absolutely. I think too, that there is a fair amount of, you know, you say that there's this injection of vision and this injection of, of really energy into a business. What I think a lot of businesses don't realize is that you can systematize those things and you can create, uh, you know, certain credos, a language system that your people use and that you train your franchisees and thus their team to use in order to help them obtain and uphold the same kinds of values uh, that you have. You know, uh, I, I pulled it out because I'm reading a book right now no, and it's please, been so please. inspiring. Um, it's by John DeJulius and it's called The Customer Service Revolution. He says, every interaction is a branding opportunity to articulate your company's dedication to hospitality. And now, if Shyla and I can't be there for every single interaction and we're going to allow other people to own our business or our, our parents can't be there for every interaction, there has to be a way to systematize the energy, to systematize those kind of soft skills that help the guest get the same experience and that same love and that question mark over the guest's head where they say, wow, is this a mom and pop? They're shocked to learn that they're franchises when they're in other locations because these training and systematizing the soft skills on the owner level and then on the manager to the employee level, uh, I think helps keep the soul in the business mm -hmm. without the soul being dependent upon us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that kind of ties into the next point that I was going to make, which um, my, my, with regarding my concern uh, with the, the way that franchises and bigger organizations work. Like what I think it's safe to say that one of the, the things that makes franchises work. The only reason why they do work is because of systems, processes, procedures, and replication, being able to, to, to take that whole thing and all the parts that are involved and put new people into the system. Right. Mm -hmm. That's um, the concept. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I'm learning, the more I study humans, the more I realize we're all so different. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's hard to force people into molds uh, because they want to be able to, we want to create, we want to express who we are. And when you're put into a franchise um, and you are a creative person, um, you don't have much room to be creative because that if you, if you get creative and you want to change something with this location, well, you, then you're too far from that location sure. and you're off brand yeah. and it, it, it dampens the human element of creativity is one of my concerns. So what is, what are you how are you looking to tackle that issue? Um, what are you doing now? And it sounds I think it kind of ties back to what you were saying is creating processes for giving people um, the ability to inject part of who they are into like leaving an, an, having structure but enough wiggle room to s still let those people be who they are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, Kate challenged you twice, so I'll challenge yeah, you. I was like, oh, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready for number three here. Like, well, I, uh, I, I really want people to know that yeah. the, my intent isn't to like try to like make prove you wrong. No, I'm just, yeah. I'm just sharing my thoughts. Absolutely. And hopefully, and it, we can. There are thoughts a lot of us have. Core value. We need of to talk. We we need to get beyond this idea of us versus them, and mm -hmm. we need to start thinking as a we. Um, mm -hmm. Independence franchises, chains, corporations, the only way we're going to move forward is if we start talking to each other yeah. and sharing thoughts and opinions. So that's exactly what I'm yeah. trying to do. So. Well, and you said, uh, the, what I want to challenge is you said, well, we're all different. We're all different and we all want to be creative and we all want to grow. Well, that's actually not different. That's the same. So we're all unique. Mm. We're not different though. We have some core basic things. We all want to feel valued. We all want to feel empowered. We all want to be in a positive environment that we enjoy being in. And we want to feel like our work makes a difference and we want the opportunity to grow and be creative. 
creative. So, so the focus for us is really then turned to how do we build systems around those things? Mm. So that, uh, cause look, there are big organizations out there that are doing a great job. A couple of brands we love, Disney, yeah. Starbucks, like Amazon. Dutch Brothers. <laughs> you go to any of those locations and those people are happy yeah. and they're getting invested yeah. in. I think I mean, you said Amazon Whole Foods. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Amazon, maybe not for their custom for a customer service experience side yes for associated culture yeah and culture maybe declining a little bit (laughs) honestly to be frank one of the reasons why i'm starting to open my mind up to uh this idea of of bigger business being somebody who's so transient like myself i'm in a new area every month right we should tell the story so (laughs) (laughs) go ahead you can finish for me like i'm constantly going to a new place um i need to get work done I don't ever know where to go. I don't, and I can do some research um, to go to an independent to try to, to support an independent. But sometimes I need to go someplace now because I only have two hours before I need to be at the next interview. So where do I go? Starbucks. Whole Foods for me. Oh, Whole Foods. Yeah. Nice. Whole Foods. Yeah. You mentioned Amazon, which yeah. Yeah. they purchase yeah. Whole Foods. And man, I tell you, I eat my words when I go into a Whole Foods because those people that work at Whole Foods are happy. They're so happy. They know everybody yeah. because Whole Foods has kind of like a cult following where people that go to Whole Foods always go to Whole Foods. So then let me ask you a question. Yep. What's the name of Whole Foods CEO that's not Jeff Bezos? I don't know. So it doesn't matter as yeah. long as they're good enough at injecting their soul and their value into systems that yeah. empower people to act within those guidelines. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And I hear what you're saying, but I don't, what I, I guess I hear what you're saying, but I don't know if I agree yet if, I, if it doesn't matter. Because I feel like business is a matter of relationships, and I think it should be personal, you yeah. know? And when it does become an entity that's not a person, then I'm more likely to steal from that person. I'm more likely to say, well, I don't care if I drop the can and try to get a discount because it's a dented can because I don't know. There's not a relationship with somebody behind mm-hmm. it. So I'm going to be more of a swindler. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But what, what the whole food CEO has done is empowered his people to build those relationships so strong okay. that you don't want to drop the can in the aisle because you don't want to take it up to Joe, the cash register guy who was so nice to you when he checked you out yesterday with the salad that but you Joe purchased. But Joe's still making the same 15 <laughs> bucks an hour. And so you're going to, so, but he's going to get in trouble, right? Yeah. He's going to get in trouble if he, if he allows See, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, no, I'm trying to be a jerk, and I apologize. Here, we'll tell our story. Tell your story. Tell your story. A good please. example is um, we were recently in visiting our Redwood City location down in the Bay Area. And we went and we had a couple hours to kill. So we went to go walk around Menlo Park. And there was another local uh, uh, coffee kind of shop that moved from Truckee down to Menlo Park. And we're like, oh, let's go check out their location. So we get down into Menlo Park. We park in their parking lot. We walk into the location and... We're so confused. Like, first of all, there's two doors. There's one on the side and one on the front. And we're like, which one's the front door? We end up coming into the side door. And we, like, approach this counter. But it's not really clear if you're supposed to go to the right or the left. And there's two people wearing matching shirts in the front. But they don't look at us. They don't address us. And we're like, do they work here? Don't they work here? We're not sure. We decide to go to the left. We stand at the counter. We're looking at what we... The person at the counter isn't making eye contact Not making eye contact. We presume what is the menu, which is like a, a poster board with, like green matcha 
like no <laughs> price, no yeah. milk choices. Like, what does like, that mean? What? I don't. Right? Are there sizes? No one. In, no one looks at us. So we're like, we must be on the wrong side. So we come around. We go to the right side of the counter. Still, no one's addressing us. Two people walk in on the left side of the counter. Now they're getting addressed. We're confused. We feel like we're being called out, and we leave. Mm. We walk out. We <laughs> go down the block, and we turn the corner, and we see a Pete's coffee. And like literally, both of us are flooded yes! with safety. Thank like, God. The safe, loving arms of a chain. I'm going to walk in, and you're going to tell me how much extra yeah. my coconut milk is. You're going to be able to take my visa. I'm going to know what to do, and, and I'm going to feel safe. And you know you can anticipate what's going to happen. Exactly. And people, that's another human variable, is we don't like – we like to know what's around the corner. We don't, right. we don't, we'd like to be able to predict. Yeah. And that's one thing that we get from a, a, cor- a corporation or a franchise is that consistency. We know what we're, we, we right. know what we're about to get when yeah. we hand somebody money and that yeah. there is security in that. Yeah. Um, I've loved this conversation and I put the both of you in a hot seat today. And uh, I really challenged you almost on the verge of questioning your integrity and you both handled it super gracefully. And I, I appreciate you for that. Thank you so much for, for being so open-minded right yeah. uh so we're gonna wrap up today's conversation i like to wrap up every chat by calling somebody else unless did i cut you short is there anything else you want to add to today's conversation before we say goodbye um i mean i had a few more points accumulating Do you want, would <laughs> points you like four to? five six and seven would you like to bring it's not too late um you know the one thing that i was thinking about is one it, that at independence there's not the safety net of security for the employees often they mm-hmm. don't have enough money necessarily to pay for health care they aren't they feel like they can fly under the radar when it comes to taking breaks and having those kind of employee uh benefits, promoted really. benefits yeah. yeah that that help create a sense of safety uh and security security for employees and staff. So with a biz- as a business gets bigger, you're also able to offer more um, security and safety to not only your people who are visiting you, but also the people that you're employing. So I also think that thing. that's what the franchise company and a franchise like a brand can offer to people who, you know, you say everybody wants to be creative, um, but not everybody does. Some people are wired for systems. Yeah, it's I'm, true. I'm an idea person like you. Looking at spreadsheets for days on end and project management drives me up the wall. But there are, like, honestly creative types like us are the minority. And so the people with a passion to be a business owner who might be more process and system structured, who really value things like discipline over creativity need that kind of structure. And so I would not disagree with that system or that, that, that statement. I agree 100%. But I guess what we don't know is what, what percentage of humans are, I want to be in a system or I want to be a creative. Mm-hmm. And that's the number we don't know. So mm-hmm. if we lean in direction over the next 50 years where all independents go away, and we live in a world of maybe, I don't know, 5,000 franchises that do all the business or maybe a thousand franchises. Yeah, we don't want saying? that either. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Terrible. So like, how do we find the bounce? Yeah. You know what I'm saying is kind yeah. of like what we got to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, again, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. Very progressive conversation. Thank you ladies so much for welcoming me back into your lives a third time. Um, and for meeting you the first time. Yeah, Thank so you. Good. Okay. Uh, and every episode I call somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator or, or a small franchise or a small chain. I was, I'm so I'm scaling into bigger, uh, <laughs> that you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest like you made for us today. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would love to call out and shout out Chef Mark Este. He yes. is a local celebrity for sure in the Reno area, um, a well-renowned chef, and it's been awesome to watch his growth as a restaurateur and his failure and his rebirth. Uh, and he now has a collection of about a dozen different concepts here regionally, uh, and he's a really admirable person. Awesome.
some Mark. That's back-to-back callouts. Ooh, so you better believe yeah. we're coming back to Nevada. 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 There you go. Oh. Good job. Good job. <laughs> they, they gave me they gave me some shit about that. <laughs> uh, thank you again so much. And how can we connect with you? Uh, maybe we're interested in opening a franchise. Yeah, please um, come yeah. on down to squeezein.com. You can hit the franchising tab. And you can always connect with Shyla and I too directly on Instagram. Head over to at kandshy.com if you want to talk right to us. Uh, that's our DM button box that we And, and we I manage. know I talk a lot of smack about franchises and corporations, but these are some great people and it's a great organization to be involved with so if, if you are interested in that world this is a great place to, to look and to learn more cool thanks Eric. Thank thanks Eric. thank you so much and again just thank you for making time for me and uh, I, I always say it and it's true there is no questioning you ladies are unstoppable Woo-woo! <laughs> cheers Thank you, Sacramento and San Francisco. Great interviews. Uh, thank you for everybody who took the time to come on the show. Thank you for everybody who took the time to support the show. Uh, people, my listeners, people who are hosting me, people who are connecting me with their network. Man, uh, the support is just overwhelming and so uh, appreciated. And I am now in San Diego. So um, if you can think of anybody you respect and admire, somebody I need to make a, an example of on the show, please put them on my radar. And I want to connect with you. Uh, let's grab a beer. Let's grab some coffee. Let's let's. Let's talk about how I can make this show better. Let's talk about what you like about the show. Or if you're not in San Diego, but you want to join the community, head over to Facebook and search Unstoppable Restaurant Owners and Operators, and you'll find the private Restaurant Unstoppable group. Join the group. Join the conversation. Let's grow this community. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.